Happy New Year to you guys. All right. It's good to see you. Got some new faces in here. My name is Matthew. If I haven't uh, met you yet, it's an honor that you guys are here with us. Um, I want to invite you to grab a Bible uh, or your app on your phone. It's fine. And we're going to be in the book of Lamentations. Um, some of you probably like lemon. Well, who? Um, lemon, lamentations. Man, I've been on a roll with this Old Testament stuff. Y'all should be proud. Dan's happy. Yeah, exactly. Lamentations uh, chapter 3 is where we're going to be at. Uh, hey, if this is your first time with us, we read just from the Bible. Uh, the Bible is 66 books written by at least 40 different authors in the span of 1,500 years, all telling the central same message of Christ the King as our Messiah and Savior. Um, so uh, that's what we do around here. <clears throat> Lamentations chapter 3. It's a new year. Um, a lot of people around this time make resolutions. I do not make resolutions at all. Uh, if you do, I'm not judging. That's completely fine. Um, in fact, I'm not even going to make any goals at all. Um, <laughs> I'm laying low in, in, in hopes that the blows aren't as strong, I suppose, um, so that when I don't meet those goals, I'll be all right. Lower your expectations, I suppose. Uh, lamentations. Lamentations. Uh, this is called the laments of Jeremiah, the prophet. Uh, maybe now that's kind of ringing a bell for some of us. Um, to lament or lamentations means uh, an expression of grief, or sorrow, Jeremiah is expressing his deep grief and his deep sorrow uh, over a particular situation that he had found himself in with his people, his people being that of the Israelites being um, overthrown and, and the, his country destroyed around 586 before Christ comes and so Jeremiah is walking around the streets and the alleys of his, uh, his city, and he's wondering, and he's questioning the things, and he's lamenting over the destruction of his town, all because of result of what sin has done through his area. Now, Jeremiah is a very interesting young guy that we find ourselves reading about this morning. Uh, if you remember back just before Lamentations, it tells the story of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1, we get this infamous verse where God just, and, and I'm paraphrasing this for time's sake, God goes to Jeremiah and is like, Hey, Jeremiah, before you were even formed in the womb, I knew you, and I also called you as a prophet to be my voice to the people of the chosen people. And Jeremiah's response is very clever. And it's very interesting because he's not asking for any of this to happen. Jeremiah's like, whoa, God, I'm just a kid, right? Which he should have responded in God to such a way, right? If he's young, he's like, God, you got the wrong person. In essence, is what he's saying. And God gives him a message back to him. And he says, hey, boy, listen, I've called you. So don't be afraid. If we were to stop the story there, we get goosebumps because the holy God of Israel just audibly spoke to somebody and said, you are mine and you will do what I tell you to do and say what I tell you to say. And we say yes and amen to that, right? 
I'm going to be a prophet. You've got to think that this is a joyous moment for our boy, Jeremiah. And if you stop the story right there, my friend, then you have missed an ordeal of amount of pain and suffering that Jeremiah is going to experience all because he is following after God and saying the things that God is telling him to say. Jeremiah finds himself speaking these words to the Israelites. And where does he find himself at? Sometimes he finds himself in a ditch, beat up, naked. See, following the Lord is not always easy. Following God does not always mean that you're going to have sunshine and rainbows and, and, and background music in your head playing at all times. Jeremiah would beg to differ that that is not how the Christian walk. Jeremiah follows the Lord, does everything the Lord tells him to do, says everything the Lord tells him to say. And then in Jeremiah chapter 20, we get an incredibly raw, very raw emotion that Jeremiah tells the Lord. I hope you, you hang on for this right here. In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 7, Jeremiah goes to the Lord and he tells him, God, you have deceived me. After years of following after you, after years of telling the people what you have said and what you have told me to say to them, you have deceived me because nobody's listening. Nobody's doing anything that I'm telling them to do. Nobody is hearing the word that you are telling them. And so God, surely you must have deceived me. Now the word deceived here is an interesting word. This word deceive could translate as to, that God has sabotaged him. But this word in, in the Hebrew, the verb has this weight and meaning of that he has been seduced by God. There is this sexual reference that's going on in this word that Jeremiah is using towards God that I feel the shame of what you feel if you've been raped. Jeremiah is going to the Lord and he tells the Lord that you have raped me and brought me before all these people just to shame me, just to strip me down naked and, and throw me before all of these people. This is what you've done, God. Happy New Year. Man, if you're a writer in the Bible and you're canonizing the scriptures, you would think that they're reading through Jeremiah's laments and they're thinking, hey guys, y'all think we ought to take this part out? This part where he tells the Lord that he's been feeling like he's been raped by God? You think we ought to take this little part out right here? I want you to see something because the, the people that God always used, they're just ordinary folks. They're just regular, common folks like you and I. And I'm glad they left this in here because it makes me feel less crazy when I go to the Lord with my anger. It makes me feel a little less, you know, on the kooky side when I shake my fist to the heavens and I say, God, why have you led me here just to just leave my family in destruction? There's an incredibly raw moment that's happening. Now, did God deceive Jeremiah? No. But is that emotion real that Jeremiah is having? Absolutely. Did, did God seduce Jeremiah? Did God rape Jeremiah? No. But that's the raw emotion that Jeremiah has in this moment, years after year, 
pouring his life out to the people, being the voice of God to the people of God, and just for them to put their hands in his face and say, I don't want nothing of that. Jeremiah is finally at this point in his life where he just feels like, God, you've just deceived me. We find ourselves in an interesting passage in Lamentations chapter 3 where it's just lament after lament, grief after grief, where he just feels like nothing's happening, nothing's working. Maybe that's how your 2021 uh, felt to you, where you felt like you have been deceived by the creator of the universe, where you have brought your laments to the Lord and you feel like he's not hearing me, where you have felt like God has just abandoned you and forsaken you. Maybe you find yourself like our boy Jeremiah here this morning. Now, before I read Lamentations, it's, it's interesting because what does Jeremiah do in that moment or after that moment when he says, God, I feel like you've deceived me? Does he run away? Does Jeremiah go, look, Israel, you guys are in captivity with the Babylonians. I'm going to go try to make cahoots with them and see if I can make a better life of myself. Does he do that? No. Jeremiah stays the course and he continues to speak the word of God to the people of God in destruction. Which should say something about us and how we respond when we find ourselves in those tumultuous types of situations or those situations where it's just trauma after trauma, beating you down, beating you down. Because our knee-jerk reaction as Americans would be, well, wait a minute, surely God wouldn't have this life for me, so I'm going to go to greener pastures. Wait a minute, this church isn't exactly what I thought it was going to be like. I'm just going to go find somewhere else that fits, my, that fits my needs and that will feed me better and meet me in a better place. It's so anti, like, uh, how we do things. Jeremiah would beg to differ. Like, listen, maybe you find yourselves where you've just been deceived by God don't stop, keep going. And we find ourselves right in the middle of Lamentations chapter three, the reason why we can't just stop. The reason why, if you felt like you've been deceived by God, that that's not the final story. Lamentations chapter three, verse 21 says, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So there's this resolve to this tension that Jeremiah the prophet has in his soul. There's this resolve to him that where he feels like he's been just deceived by God, he says, but this I call to my mind. This is one of the most, this is a powerful, powerful scripture right here. But despite me feeling like I've been deceived by the creator of the universe, I'm gonna call this to my mind. This is why I will always present the gospel to you because you need the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ came, God with us. 
and he lived a human life, and he died for you that you could be saved, and he resurrected from the grave so that we could live with him eternally. That's the good news. It's why I tell you, you should gospel yourself on a daily basis. You never graduate from this gospel message. This I call to mind. That despite, it's, it's, it's like finally, like his mind was like just being tormented with all of the destruction around him. He sees the weight and depravity of sin that has caused and eroded his city. And he says, finally, it's like his mind finally clicked with what his heart knows. His heart knows that God is good. His heart knows that God is faithful. But finally, they kind of collided together, and we get this intersection with his mind and his heart, and they're in sync with each other right now. Finally, he says, but this I call to mind. God is not a deceiver. This I call to mind. God is not a seducer. This I call to mind that God is good and God is faithful. I call this to mind. And therefore, I have this hope, despite whatever 2021 brought your way. But this I call to mind, and I finally have this hope that Christ chose me, that Christ saved me, that Christ loved me so much that he would die for me, despite my situation despite the circumstances that 2021 threw at you, this I call to mind that God is faithful. Verse 22 says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Now, I don't know if Jeremiah has read the Torah. I don't know if Jeremiah has, surely he's heard of Moses. Surely he had he, he had probably seen some of the writings if he is a prophet. Then he knows about Moses. He knows a little bit about the Torah and, and the writings that Moses did. In fact, it reminds me of, and I don't know if Jeremiah is thinking of this, but in Exodus 34, verse 5, it says, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Sounds a lot like what Jeremiah just said. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. So maybe, perhaps, Jeremiah is reminding of himself of the things that he has read about of God. Maybe Jeremiah read it, or maybe he had some final, um, finally had some epiphany of who God is. And, and this is an interesting set of passage, uh, set of scriptures in Exodus 34, because this is the first time God reveals his name. It's the first time we have on record that God reveals his name to his people. And what is his name? It's merciful. The Lord, the Lord is merciful and gracious and his love is steadfast. That's his name. I I love this because it's not that God is exacting or precise 
It's not that the Lord, the Lord disappointed and completely frustrated at my people. It's not God revealing his name. The Lord, the Lord, look at me like that one more time and I'll swipe you off the face of the earth. He's merciful and he's gracious. Maybe Jeremiah's is putting this all together, that this is his God. His God is not the deceiver. His God is not the one who sabotages, but he remembers the name of God. The name of God is merciful and gracious. It's, it's not the Lord, the Lord, the one who will wipe you off the face of the earth because you think I'm a deceiver. It's the Lord who is merciful and gracious. If mercy had a face, and if mercy had a name, gee, I wonder who it would be. Nobody wants to take a stab at it. Okay, fine, his name is Jesus. What, what did Jesus say? How did Jesus describe his heart? Gentle and lowly, gracious and merciful. You want to see what this mercy looks like. You want to see what this grace looks like. You want to see what this steadfast looks, love looks like. Then look no further than Jesus. God in the, in the flesh. Jeremiah recalls these things that he's read, these things that he's learned, these things that, that God maybe perhaps had revealed to him as a prophet. And he says, I, I, I'm going to recount this because this is what I know to be true of God, that God is merciful, that God is gracious, and that God is not a deceiver. In verse 24, he goes on and he says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Now, the Lord is not a portion in, in a general sense, but the author here recognizes that God, the Lord, is his only portion. It's his only source. That's who God is to Jeremiah. And it's so weird because read through Lamentations and you wouldn't think Jeremiah would be thinking this of God. It's grief, it's I'm sad, it's I'm depressed, it's I've got all of these emotions that I don't know what to do with. And his heart, again, is in sync with his mind when he finds out that God is my portion. God is my source. This devastation can't do anything good for me. God is my portion. He is my source. In verse 25 he goes on to say, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now, this is interesting because finally we get this resolve and finally we get to see like what God is going to do for Jeremiah. Jeremiah's, remember, doing exactly what God has said to do, saying the, the words that God told him to say. And the most important thing that could happen for the people of God and for Jeremiah, the most important thing that could happen to you is found right here. It's the resolve you've been looking for your whole life. 
it's, it's what causes that tension inside of you and that question in your mind that says, what is this life? Like, what is this purpose? Why am I here? What, is, what, what am I doing here? He gives you this answer. It's, it's for the salvation of the Lord that is to come for you. That God would be swift. That God would save you. That God would redeem you. That God would save you. Now, we can't like overlook a couple of these words that Jeremiah, that Jeremiah says in verse 25 and verse 26. He says, the Lord is good to those who, who, who do what? Who wait. To the soul who seeks him, it is good that one should wait quietly. Now, ain't nobody got time for that though. Amen? I don't want to wait. I, I, I hate waiting on... My family, right? I mean, I, like, for me, if I could be straight with you guys, this is a four-letter word to me. Like, tell me to do anything, I'll do it. But tell me to wait, mm, I don't know about that. Nobody likes to wait. But it is a theme throughout scriptures that we find every person that God would use, they had to go through a process, and the process was for them to, to wait. Jeremiah finally gets this from all of this conundrum that he's been in, and he's like, you know what? The city's not being rebuilt. My, my people are now in exile and, and being held captive by the Babylonians. God keeps telling me that there's a Messiah coming. I, I keep doing what God tells me to do. I keep saying what God tells me to say, and, and, I, and there's nothing happening. What do you do? You wait on the Lord. Come on, y'all. You might feel this, the weight of this. You might feel the weight of what Jeremiah is going through in this passage. You felt like you've done all the right things. Like you've checked, like you were an A-typer. You even made a list, right? And you got the post-its like everywhere. Did this check, did that check, did that check, did that check, and nothing's happening. You have felt like you've been sabotaged. We moved from Georgia to to Utah to start this with some other families. It's been an incredible to see what God did in 2021. Baptized people, had people come to the Lord through salvation, started some small groups, just got to know you guys and just really feel like you love us well, right? Not that this is all about me, but I do. I mean, I feel like you guys are awesome. But there were those moments where we would witness and we would bring the message of Jesus Christ to some people and it felt like it was just hitting a brick wall. I'm like, well, God, what, what do we do? What do you do in those moments? You wait. You felt like you were doing everything right. You felt like you had everything going your way. And then you just keep hitting, hitting this brick, brick wall. 
You keep being met with bad news. You keep being met with um, trauma. What do, you, what do you do? Has God left you? Has God sabotaged you? No. You just wait. What is an interesting word. In fact, we find it throughout all of Scripture, and this just came to my mind in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 1, when the disciples, after Jesus ascended to heaven, he told his disciples that we're in the upper room and he, he tells them, do not depart from Jerusalem, just wait for the promise of the Lord. And so these guys are like, mm, okay, so they gather up in an upper room and, and they're, they're there in this upper room, up to maybe 150 people are there and they're just, they're waiting on the Lord. It doesn't mean that they're being lazy. They're actually taking care of business, but they're waiting on the Lord. And what happens in their waiting? Well, you get Acts chapter two. They're met with the presence and the weight of the Holy Spirit. If perhaps, and this is conjecture, perhaps if they weren't waiting, maybe that wouldn't have taken place. So, so maybe if you feel like you keep hitting the brick wall, if you, you feel like, you know, it was just met with devastation and you keep getting bad news, my friends, can I just encourage us this morning, just, just hang in there. Just wait. You may feel like Jeremiah. You may feel like God has left you. You may feel like that God has abandoned you. You may feel like that God has even sabotaged you and deceived you. I just encourage you just, just to wait and hold on. There's just three practical things that I just want to pull out that can help us. Um, because I know sometimes when you're waiting, you get frustrated and, and that's where you want to give up. But I just want to encourage us with just three quick uh, things, if I can. First, what does this all mean, like, for today's burdens? Like, what do you do with a passage like this when you keep being met with disappointments? What do you do? But here's the first thing that I would encourage us with. It's the very reality of these new mercies from God each morning means we shouldn't be discouraged by just barely making it through the day. Many days leave you broken. Many days leave you discouraged. Many days, um, they leave you feeling hopeless. Can I tell you? That's okay. You're normal. You're not crazy. There was enough mercies for that day, and there will be new mercies for you the next day. Which, secondly, we can't rely on yesterday's mercies for today's burdens. In other words, go to Jesus afresh every day. Like you can't rely on like, you know, God did something really good for me, but that really good for you thing that, the, that God did for you was like, I don't know, 10 weeks ago. God isn't like sitting there going, all right, that's it. That's all the mercy I got for you. Good luck when that next devastating thing happens to you. Hope you make it out alive. And God's not like that. Like with every day, with every burden that comes your way, there will be a new wave of mercies 
waiting for you. This is why this is so critical for us to understand the name of God. He is merciful. That's who he is. That's his very nature for you. Like, that is what God wants to do for you. You don't have to beg. You don't have to plead for God to bring his mercies down upon you. It's who he is. It's what he does for us. And we don't have to rely on some old merciful thing that God did for us back in like 1998. No, he's got a fresh, new wave of mercy waiting for you when you wake up in the morning. When that heavy burden comes to slap you in the face, there's a guardrail there waiting and it's his mercy to get you through that. And lastly, like, we can't kill anxiety. We can't kill, like, what's going on around us. Like, we can't stop fearing. And we can't, like, get a schedule or a planner. And how do I do this? How do I stop fearing? How do I stop, with, how do I stop this anxiety? Rather, it'd probably be good for us to, to understand and lean into what Paul said in Philippians Chapter four, when he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God will surpass all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God is with us um, and God is with us through Christ and by the spirit his promises are very real and trustworthy. So we can be honest before God and we can take our worries, our anxieties and cast them on him. Because what does the Lord say to Jeremiah, right? Like, Jeremiah, who is you talking to? Like, because that's how we as parents would respond if my kid comes to me and tells me, you have sabotaged me, dad. You've deceived me. My innate reaction would be the hand of the father across their face. Maybe you're more spiritual than I. Let me lean into all of your ways. Teach me, O Holy One. But my kid ain't going to tell me and accuse me of deceiving them. But what does God do? He's like, man, if you just wait, my salvation's going to come. It's fine. You are in my hands. And so we can cast those worries. We can cast those emotions. We can cast those feelings of being abandoned by God on him. He's God. He can take it. And the promise for you will still stand that he will surely come and he will surely redeem and he will be mighty to save you. Maybe some of us are facing a ton of uncertainty in 2022. It's just like you just... Like your brain can't even comprehend like what's, maybe you're just like, dude, I don't even know. I can't even comprehend like what's going on, what's going to happen tomorrow. You can choose to believe one of two different ways. 
that God is going to cave in and God will deceive you and God is just going to abandon you or leave you. Or you can believe that God is going to give you new mercies every day. When you wake up in the morning, there's new mercies waiting for you. There's going to be new mercies for you every single day. And that's what God is going to do for you. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, God, that, man, just in the midst of chaos with Jeremiah, we get a glimpse of this raw, just, man, these just terrible emotions, and they're real. Thank you, God, that even in that moment, you didn't leave him, and you didn't deceive him. But for those who would just wait on you, you will, as Isaiah says, renew our strength. You will, as we read in Psalm 40, that we waited patiently on the Lord and he pulled us out of our despair and put our feet on a solid foundation. So God, in our waiting, I pray that you would just, by your spirit, encourage us. By your spirit, give us strength to continue. And God, the hope of this is that the gospel has already made a way for us that Jesus Christ has already done the hard work. He's already suffered. So God, we just want to rest in Christ, rest in the gospel that Jesus came to save and redeem. And if there are those who may not know you, God, I pray that you would save them right there in their seat, Lord. And just maybe a spirit of surrender comes over them and say, God, I surrender to you. I surrender my worries, I surrender my anxieties, I surrender my fears, I surrender myself. And I give it all to you, Jesus. And I want you to be the king of my life. So God, I just pray that you would help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, what's gonna happen next is they're gonna sing and lead us into another worship song so that we can respond uh, to God. Maybe that's in repentance. Maybe you just say, God, man, I'm with Jeremiah. I feel like I'm in a pit of despair. And just ask God to help you. Maybe you feel like salvation is something you need. Maybe you just want to just say, God, thank you, right? Just respond to him. Just say, thank you, God, for all you've done for me. So let's just start the new year outright. And let's stand on our feet, or maybe you just need to kneel at your seat or come for prayer. Myself and Miss Kathy will be over there if you need prayer this morning.